It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me as always, Naomi Dolan from twinfo.com.au. Hey, Naomi. Hey, Nikki. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you doing? How's the week been? It's been a really quite crazy week. Um, We got to spend a fair bit of time with my brother and his uh, two daughters. So the cousins all got to hang out and it was so much fun. Oh, how good is it when you start seeing like your kids play with their cousins and they're all getting on? It's such a great feeling. It is because they haven't actually seen them for nearly four years. And um, they've only met a couple of times because they're in Melbourne, we're in Brisbane. We live very different lifestyles in terms of working hours and all of that kind of thing. And um, they just had a really good time. I don't know. I don't know if it's just that family connection, but it was perfect. Oh, that's so nice. Well, I'll tell you what, the highlight of my week was honestly listening back to last week's episode. Um, and I cried oh, again. <laughs> I was going to say, did you get the chills again? I did. It doesn't matter, <laughs> seem to matter how many times I listen to it. It's an incredible story. And I'm so excited because uh, Janelle, our triplet mother, whose journey we've been following over the last two episodes, she's joining us again. Uh, yep, she certainly is joining us. And if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, then you can just head to our Facebook page, Talking Twins and More, a multiple of podcast and catch up on the two episodes. We'll get to Janelle next. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. And for the third week in a row, we are so grateful to be joined by our triplet mother, Janelle. Janelle, how are you going? I'm good, and you? We are fantastic. Uh, Now, we've had so much fun following your journey. Uh, A few chills, as we were just saying, a lot of tears, and we're excited because where we left it last week, you you had just had these babies, and my goodness, didn't you go through a lot, and then you were heading on home. Yes, after a month. It felt like an eternity being in hospital, but uh, walking out that door with our three little babies and piling them all in the back seat of our car, uh, it was definitely we never forget to. Did you, when you were walking out of the hospital, I remember when we were walking out, uh, we were only in there, yeah, we were 31 days with our two in there, but walking out, I felt like someone was going to come up and tap me on the shoulder to say, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't take these babies. You know what's funny? It almost was that exact situation simply because hubby grabbed one of the babies to take them out. He'd, he'd moved the car around to the entrance of the hospital. And came in. His plan was to grab one by one and take them and put them in their new baby uh, car seat. And he actually did get tapped on the shoulder because as it turns out, their hospital policy is you can't physically walk out carrying a baby. Which I just thought was what what the what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have our triplet pram with us that particular day, so they had to lend us their twin, uh, you know, the little bed that they put oh. all the babies in. They had a twin one of those. The twin bassinet. Yes, we put all three lined up in that, and we wheeled them out to the <laughs> to the car in one of those to put them in the car seat. Oh, bless. We carry them out. Oh, oh that's so funny. The yeah. things you just don't think about. Yeah. No. I'm surprised you didn't put one across the bottom. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The things you don't think about. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't have thought about something like that. But um, with you, you've got three babies to mm. try and carry out and you just can't carry 
safely all of that stuff, plus all the stuff from special care, plus, you know, yes. all the bits and pieces that had accumulated while you were there. Yes, it was like we had packed up and moved into the hospital for a month. I had two suitcases with me and nappies and all flowers and presents and all sorts of things that people had brought into the hospital for us. So it was uh, all of that stuff got taken out into the car first by hubby and then after the tap on the shoulder and realising that we couldn't carry the babies out, putting them into the, the twin uh, wheelie thing and pushing them all out into the car. And, yeah, it was very much like you said. It was a surreal moment going from stuck into the hospital where you're in a very strict routine to then stepping in the car and realising, well, our journey really begins from here. Yeah, our own now. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the nurses to fall back on to help us with feedings and changes and all of that jazz. Yeah. This is it. This is life. My... How slow did your husband drive home? <laughs> you know, I don't even remember the drive home. I remember turning around and just constantly looking at them, but I was so deliriously happy just to be getting out of that goddamn hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally. agree. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't even tell you how fast the slow you drove. It was just oh my goodness, magical, we're going home and we can start living life. I just remember saying to Dave, I think we need to just drive home, like trying to be polite about, okay, come on, we're going so slowly here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same. I thought I would be so stressed about the drive home about how fast, but then as soon as I got in the car, I just felt really calm and at ease. I was like, okay, we're doing this. We're okay. Putting them in the car seats though, I was really nervous because the boys were so tiny. I was like, is it legal to take something this small home? Yes, I remember that too. Looking at them in their seats and thinking, they're like little dollies. Yeah. Surely they'll just slip out. This can't be right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think that's why I was so mesmerised on the drive home, just looking at them after having them so long in their little bed and such a different situation. Mm. Uh, Yeah, it was just all totally new and a really wonderful moment. So what happened when you got home? We fell into routine fairly quickly at home. So prior to the boys being born, as I said, I was a perpetual planner and had everything well and truly sorted out. I was a regular poster on the triplet mum forums and things like that. And I had asked questions about what should I have at home for when the babies get arrive home? What should I have for myself? What should I have for them? What do you do for meals? All that sort of thing. And one of the triplet families from over in the States actually responded to a post around what one of her favourite things were. And look, I know these aren't recommended these days, but they were an absolute godsend for us because it meant we could put the, the three boys down on the case part of our lounge with the, I think they're called positioners. They're yep. the triangle stone shape position. Oh, yeah, yeah I we, used yeah, those. Yeah, we had yeah. those, yeah. yep, most definitely. And in fact, I think I've sent you a picture, Naomi, of the boys all lined up on the couch yes. in their positioners. Oh. And it just meant that I didn't have to worry about them rolling off the couch because we had hard wood floors mm. and they were born in winter and I didn't like to have them on the floor because the, the, the cool off the floor would... Um, I just I didn't like the idea of the tool coming through and making them cold, so I liked them elevated and up on the lounge, at least until they could they were rolling. 
yeah. I knew that they were safe while they were itty bitty to be positioned there. And of course, we were in the room to be watching them all the time while they were in them. And it meant that uh, on that safe lounge piece, it meant for all feedings, I would just position myself next to them. And then we started off feeding them one by one. But what that meant overnight, see, during the nights in the hospital, I'd either have hubby there with me or one of the nurses who helped me to feed usually. But at home, I obviously didn't have that. And to make sure that at least one of us would get uh, a bit of a sleep in, it was usually only the one of us getting up to do the feed. Mm. The one that sleep, one was feeding. Yeah. And we started off doing one at a time, but we just found that the other two would scream. <laughs> so. Yeah. We then started getting pretty crafty around, okay, well, how can we, how can we do this all at once? And um, I'd use those positioners in the dead of night. I'd bring them all out. I'd quickly run in, grab one at a time, put them in the positioner, uh, get their bottles ready in the kitchen. And then I'd scoop them all up in my arms. I'd plonk myself down in my lazy boy. I'd have a pillow across my legs and then I'd place them down and I'd, balance my express bottle of milk with my pinky, my thumb and my other hand and hold a bottle in each of their mouths. So three at a oh, time. Goodness. I think I've got a picture of that too that I can show you as well. It was a real balancing act. But it That's amazing. That rather than being up for sometimes two hours doing the feed one at a time, it meant that I could get it all knocked over in about 45 minutes to an hour. So then I could have another two-hour block of sleep. I was really, really lucky. They were brilliant sleepers from the get-go. I think being in special care nursery had really built that routine up for them. Mm. And they knew that if there wasn't a bottle in their mouth or a boob in their mouth, then it was sleep time. I was very, very lucky in that respect. So... It was a constant three-hour cycle. So I'd feed for an hour. I'd then go back to bed for two hours. Religiously, one of them would wake up around that three-hour mark, and then the cycle would start again. Scoop them all up, put them on the lazy boy, balance the bottles. <laughs> so would that be wow. your biggest tip for any mum expecting triplets would be, you know, that routine and keeping the three of them in that routine. Is that what saved you in those first few months, particularly with that sleep? Because as we know, once that sleep deprivation gets on top of you, I mean, it's hard enough anyway, but if it gets completely out of control, it's it's a nightmare. You can't function. It really is. And look, don't get me wrong, I was still very yeah. sleep deprived oh, as yeah. with any new mum is. But for us, routine was key. And like I said, I think keeping them in the routine from special care, we didn't change that cycle of play, um, play, feed, sleep. Mm. It was just constant for that three hours over and over again. For at least, I think, the first two and a half, three months they were on that cycle. And then we just gradually moved it out to four hours, five hours, six hours. And by six months, they were sleeping through the night. I mean, we had the odd nights where it was if one of them was sick or they had too much sleep through the day that we'd have a bit of a wake up. But yeah, from six months, like I said, they were brilliant sleepers. And can I say, going from the boys being brilliant sleepers and sleeping through from that early stage to now having a sister, sister who is 18 months and still waking multiple times a night 
is killing me. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. My kids are terrible sleepers. I'm at three and a half and neither of them have slept through the night both together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how multiple mums with terrible sleepers cope. One baby that's constantly waking would be bad enough, but to have multiple little mouths to feed and multiple little people to soothe, I am very lucky that I didn't have to go through that. Yeah. But I know that there are multiple parents that do and, oh, my God, my heart goes out to them because I just, I think I would have had a meltdown. I can tell you I did. That's for another story, though. Back to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> other, I mean, for the feeding, we'll come back to it a little bit more about that. But those first few months, I mean, obviously you, you have embraced the fact you're very lucky um, in terms of the sleep. But other than the feeding, what were the other biggest challenges? I mean, I'm thinking even bath time. Um, <laughs> how did you do some of those things in those first few months? Bath time was fairly easy. It was just a jungle between hubby and I. So... We would put them all in their cots and one by one we would take them and bath them. We'd like to be able to give them a little bit of one-on-one time with us so rather than try and it was not safe to put them all in the bath at once. So one-on-one was really the only way to do it. It wasn't until they were able to sit up in the bath and even then we'd use the seat to sit them up so that they could interact and play with one another then. But certainly when they were itty-bitty, it was one by one. They got some one-on-one time, a little bit of a baby massage and uh, put that one then back in the cot and rotate onto the next one. I think probably the biggest challenge that I found, I said this in a previous podcast that I fairly well made it my mission because everyone told me that I wouldn't be able to leave the house for the first year. I, I really did follow through on that. So from about the time that they were a month and a half, two months old, I thought, all right, enough's enough. I'm sick of wallowing around the house. I need to get out and get some fresh air and some exercise. I was making it my mission to go for walks around the neighbourhood. Uh, I think by about two and a half months, I was ready to drive again and felt comfortable putting them all in the car and I took sold that damn ABC adventure buggy to put crown into the car was a nightmare. It was so heavy and it just fit in my car. I had a big SUV and it only just fit. And um, goodness, there's some money to be made. If anyone can come up with a better design than that thing or the three wide or the three long, there's got to be a better way, surely. Mm. But I digress. (laughs) <laughs> I often see, like, the odd, odd occasion that you do see a triplet pram out, I just think, my gosh. I mean, when my twins, I mean, my, my twins are eight, and even the twin prams, there weren't that many of them. Yeah. There's hundreds, you know, there's so many on the market now. But mm. I, you look at the triplet ones and I just think, wow, yeah. that's um, that's a piece of engineering, literally. Absolutely. We didn't even bother with uh, the, oh, what are they called? The capsules and the, the capsules. That's yeah. it. We didn't even bother with capsules. We, were the we same. just stuck with the basic mm. uh, pram seats. So, and we were the same when it came to the car seats. We just got the ones from zero to four. Yeah, yeah. straight off the bat. Yeah, we too. just couldn't justify the expense of having capsules for such a short period mm. of time. And I mean, it wasn't like I could walk around with three of them hanging off my arm anyway. Mm. So. And it was recommended that they don't, you don't let them sleep in them anyway. So I thought, well, 
what's the point? You mm. just go straight to these ones that are from zero anyway. How did you get them all out to the car, just one at a time? One at a time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The difficult thing was for me when it came to car time was getting the middle baby in the middle seat, having to, because like I said, I had an SUV trying to lift myself up into the car and then maneuvering the baby in over the top of the other seat to get them into their car seat. While they were rear facing, I had the straps there. It was just, it would have been comical to watch actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking that, got the straps across. And you've got to try it. It's like you. It's like baby weaving. Look, yes. there we go. It's baby weaving. And you would. You always would have to start with the middle baby. Yeah. You know what? I can't remember. I honestly can't remember the, the order that I used to do it in. <laughs> Maybe you just randomised it. Isn't that funny though? The things that at the time was just like so automated and just the way you do it. And now I'm yeah. the same. I look back at things and I think. How did I do that? Yeah. I've had to stop, um, you know, when people with younger babies ask questions, um, I think, how did I do that? And I think, I can't, yeah. I, I can't help them because I can't remember. Yeah, I operated in such a fog for that first six months because of the round-the-clock feedings and operating on two-hour sleep cycles. I was just an autopilot. Mm. So to look back and think of the tiny little things that happened in life, I've got no hope. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Only with the two, I feel exactly the same because my boy, boys were both severe colic and reflux. So, um, yeah, it was it was an absolute nightmare. And I do, I often sit there and I think, Naomi, I always say this to you, and it's such a blur. I, I almost feel like I'd, I'd love to have the chance. I've only got the two and go – do it again and just remember what it was like just for a second because I can remember bits of it but not the the feeling because you're just so tired and exhausted and it's just a blur. Yeah, I'm the same. I just I, I literally and I, I I'm a little bit sad that I wasn't a prolific Facebook user back then mm. because now when I see the odd Facebook memory come up, I think, oh my gosh, that's right. Mm. Um, I, but yeah. I'm the same as well. And in that blurry period, that, that first six months, I wasn't taking a huge amount of pictures either. Nowadays, I'm taking hundreds of pictures a day. Yeah. Whereas back then, I might take a snap here or there. And I think back to all the, the little memories that I would have loved to have captured. Every now and again, I'll I'll see a new mum with a baby doing something. like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to have to do black because I couldn't do that with the three. And like I said, it was a fog in that first period, but then there's just a little peep that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I did. That's, that's how that happened. And mm. I don't have the photographic evidence. Yeah. And particularly yeah. now moving into my super boober business, God, I wish I had those pictures because there's so many mums when I post, the most engagement I get in uh, on my posts, are usually on anything that I put up with the triplets. Yeah. They're yep. just so inquisitive about, oh, my goodness, how did you do it? And I wish I had captured more of those things to be able to show other mums. Mm. I agree with you. I'm the same because I think – I don't even think I had a smartphone when um, the kid, when our twins were born. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an early adopter of technology, shall we say, um, and I actually don't think that I had a smartphone back then. So, because I, I remember taking our big 
Canon with the big lens and, you know, taking photos using that camera in the hospital. I definitely had a smartphone, but my body had changed that much that I really struggled with my own self-image after having the boys. Yeah. My stomach was so stretched. As I said, I was stretch mark heaven. And I had a mummy apron after having the boys. I hated the way I felt because of that. My skin just felt all saggy and gross. And putting on clothes, I just felt like an alien in my own body. Mm. And that's why you'll find very few photos of me with boys when they were itty bitty. Yeah, sad, isn't it? Yeah, I would put them in the picture, and I'd go, "Oh no, no, just take the picture of them," and I'd sort of back away. Yeah, (laughs) it it really is quite sad. But looking back now, one of my proudest pictures is of me, and again, you've got these pictures of me laying on the bed covered in stretch marks and seeing my great big enormous belly. That is my only picture, my only bare belly picture mm. of me carrying the boys. Amazing. And, I mean, you did such a good job yeah. of carrying them for so long. Yeah. And, and that's something that picture is. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's something to be so proud of as well. Yeah. But it's just something It's also you look back at it and it's such just a, um, like the memories must come back when you look at that picture. They really do. But like mm. I said, I wish I had had taken way more mm. I think that goes to everybody, um, particularly mothers. Um, and I don't know, maybe if it's a stay-at-home dad, whether the, you know, and we'll get into this in later episodes, the one who kind of carries the mental load. But one of the things is that I now like, oh, I must take a photo of that. Oh, I have to take a photo of this. Mm. Mm. Um, and yeah. I often feel a bit of pressure yeah. because Dave, I mean, and this is no criticism to Dave, he just doesn't think to take the photo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's the same in our household as well. Yep. I've got probably about 20 photos to his one or more, probably. And then I feel like a little bit funny saying, Dave, oh, can you take a photo of me, yes. please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes me feel a little bit funny. I've been, I'm quite lucky like with Twinfo, um, I've had quite a lot of uh, photo shoots and things done and I think, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful now to have these photos that are being taken now mm. of me and the kids. Um, because I don't have many photos like that when they were younger. I've yeah. got heaps of selfies, but just, yeah, a lot of mine now, when I look back on it, are, are again, that, that top up holding them or something like that. They're not, they're not full body with the kids. Same thing. Cause I've always yeah. been really self-conscious of my figure since I've had the boys and it's something I still struggle with today. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I tagged hubby in a post. Probably the boys are about two and a half. It was so mummy blogger who had put up uh, in fact you might even remember it because it went quite viral that hubbies and or partners need to make sure that they're taking pictures of their partners with their kids so that when their kids look back at the memories they can also see their mum in the pictures too. I tagged him in that the ironic thing is he did start taking pictures, but they were of me at the shittest times. I'd be asleep and I'd have triple chin or I'd be, I'd be in the most awkward position. It's unflattering positions. I'm like, yeah, thanks for that. Mm. But maybe take some naps on too where I'm actually happy with the look <laughs> of the picture. Yeah. 
I think we're a little bit a bit critical of our own self though as well because he wouldn't yeah. have seen any of that. No, you know what I mean? He would have just gone, "Here's the mother of my children, the woman I love, holding our three babies or whatever," and he's just taken the photo. But you look at it, and then we look at it through our own critical eyes, just going, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, amazing, <laughs> Janelle. Just going back to your feeding story, which you touched on just before, which was quite amazing. But how long did you breastfeed the the boys for? So we. The boys were born at just five thirty-four weeks, and they had to learn how to suck. So, in that process, they were bottle-fed and breastfed. So, in between breastfeeds, I was pumping, and that carried over to when they came home as well. I kept pumping until they were about three and a half months old, and then the sleep deprivation just got the better of me. Uh, I would then just breastfeed, and once my milk dried up. That was it. We just converted over to formula mm. because I couldn't. I it was at the point where I was getting so stressed about my supply that it was impacting on my supply. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and with each pumping session, I didn't respond well to a pump at all. Uh, so with each feeding session, I was expressing less and less breast milk to the point where by the time I had made the decision that look, this isn't working, I'll breastfeed as best I can. But then once it dries up, that's it. We were down to sort of half a feed for one baby. Yeah. Uh, and then I have to top up that baby with formula anyway. It just it was stressing me out more than it than it could have. Mm. And I wasn't enjoying the process anymore. And that's with uh, lactation consultant assistance and uh, drugs and things to help boost supply it just wasn't working so in the end after about three and a half four months our um, expressing and breastfeeding journey ended there and I always knew if I was to have another baby and uh, we thought three would be it until we had our little itchy baby um, that if I had the opportunity to feed again I definitely wanted to persist which is how it came about that I started the business Superbooker. Well, I think that's just, I mean, firstly, I mean, hats off to you Amazing. for yeah. persevering for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, breastfeeding, as much as we see these beautiful images of, you know, the Madonna-like images of of the baby at the breast, that's completely impractical sometimes when you're dealing with three babies, mm-hmm. uh, two boobs, three babies. Um, for starters, and the fact that you persevered with the expressing, I mean, I had a love-hate relationship with that pump, um, and I, you know, I was so glad to see the back of it, um, but yeah, hats off to you for persevering yeah. for so long. Thank you for that. It was, uh, it was a, an epic task to have to do it, and I had to mentally prepare myself every time I had to connect the pump up to keep pushing through. Like I said, I just I did not respond well to the pump at all. Mm. I definitely was a better, and I think this goes to women generally. They say that uh, you expressing does not equate to what a baby could get from the breast directly. Um, when you're sitting is, there looking at it, I saw a tip recently which I thought made such a great idea to put a pair of socks over the bottles. So you yeah. can't, you're not watching how much you're expressing. 
I did see that, yeah. Was, and I thought, wow, cool. brilliant. It, I thought that, yeah. I have to laugh at uh, all the pictures. Like you said, all the perfect pictures of mothers breastfeeding their babies and look for some. It does come really naturally. Certainly did not for me. I loathed it. Yeah. It was, it did not come naturally. It hurt like hell. Uh, it didn't help that my boys had ties. So it it constantly hurt until they managed to get snipped. Um, but, yeah, I, I did not enjoy it at mm-hmm. all. But I knew that by offering the breast, I was giving, giving them the best that I, I could. And my pediatrician, who always told me that because they are preemie, if the more you can breastfeed and things like that, the better they will be. Yeah. So I constantly had that in the back of my head. There's just so many pressures that mums are are under when you've got your doctor saying this and your mum saying that and your mother-in-law saying something else and your husband saying this. And it's, it's bombarding. And I, that, that's just on feeding. That doesn't even factor into nappies. Do you have soft nappies? Do you have I know. Or do you have a dummy? You don't have a dummy. There is no. so much pressure, isn't there? I was a bit the same in terms of I was told that, you know, they're premature. The best thing you can do for them is to try and and express and all of this kind of stuff. So I was like, right. And I was almost like militant in my approach then I was like right I have to just do this every three hours and you know it was freezing well I mean Brisbane freezing not Canberra freezing but it was the middle of the night and I'm getting up to the alarm to express and it was literally freezing and I was just like oh my gosh no I've got to do it I have to do this because that's what I've been told to do and I really had this militant sort of um, I guess outlook as to how I was going to achieve this and I do think that that probably did. I was very lucky in terms of then um, I had a, a quite a successful breastfeeding relationship. We went up to um, for 18 months plus I was able to donate milk to other families. Oh, wow. But, um, I, and I do credit that back to my very regimented <laughs> three-hourly <laughs> expressing. Whether it was or not, I don't know. But at the time, that's, that's what I thought. But that was, I was thought that's the only thing I could do. But I also didn't even think, what about the poor, you know, the poor mums who can't do this? Mm. You know, like, oh, there's just so much pressure. There really is. Yeah. There is a lot of pressure. And in fact, Janelle, I had a very similar story. We haven't got to ours yet. Um, but yeah, I had a very similar story to you in the sense that it, it didn't work very well for me and, and I struggled with it. And you know, I remember that moment where I made that decision and, you know, just sitting on the, I was literally in the shower floor in tears going, you know, I know I have to stop this or quit this, which was a really harsh way of looking at it. But I felt that much pressure that I felt like I was quitting something that was going to jeopardize my son's lives. And I was failing at being a mother. And it wasn't until I got past the hump of it and, and, and the boys were on formula and everything was going better that I was like, no, I made the right decision. But dealing with that pressure, it's hard. It really is. And I, I think for me, once I had made the decision and we had swapped over to formula, it was like that pressure had just been released and I was at ease with it. Mm. But it was that anguish of going from will I, won't I, will I, won't I, and then the weaning process to then starting fully on formula. 
wasn't until that point that I was okay with it. And interestingly, um, your journey and your experience with your feeding, though, has led you to now doing something that um, is quite interesting. So tell us how your journey has led you to do what you're doing now. So I touched on briefly just before that the, I'd always, in the back of my head, pictured prior to having the boys, like in, in no one plans to have a multiple pregnancy and I know in my mind when we were going through the IVF process, I only ever pictured one little baby in my arms in my dreams and I had this image of me being able to breastfeed and extended breastfeeding and things like that and then when there were three, that just totally threw it all out. So after having the boys and, and going through the struggles of breastfeeding and expressing, in the back of my head, I always knew that if we ever were to get lucky to have another baby, I, I wanted to try and achieve that dream of being able to breastfeed successfully. And knowing that my supply was sick <laughs> with the boys, I knew that it was probably going to be very similar uh, with another baby. And sure enough, uh, we had baby Madeline come into our lives May last year, 2018, and I struggled from the get-go. I had a emergency cesarean. My milk didn't come in till day six, and she cluster-fed dead set for that full six days. Uh, I felt like my nipples were hanging off by a thread. They were absolutely destroyed. And I was already after six days thinking, how on earth am I going to get to the point of being able to have that image in my head of being able to successfully breastfeed my baby? And I had a one of the match nurses that come out to your home and do the weighings with the baby and check that they're all growing fine and whatnot. Madeline had dropped off to um, did lost. 11% of her birth weight wow. and she, the nurse was concerned oh look we might have to think about what we're doing here uh, but see the problem is when I was in hospital with Madeline everyone had assumed that because I'd already had three babies even though they didn't really recognise that there were three at once and it was a totally different journey I didn't know how to breastfeed properly just one baby mm. and when I expressed that to the nurse in the hospital rather than explaining well this is how you do it you need to do blah 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 she just grabbed my boob grabbed Madeline's head and put her on it and I'm thinking well that that didn't help me <laughs> that talked me through the process what am I meant to do here and it wasn't until that much came around and she spent probably a good two hours just watching Madeline feed and, and seeing the entire process. It was like, okay, so this is this is what you need to do. You need to change positions, need to get the laps better. Uh, and I would have my letdown, and Madeline would suck, 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 and then she'd come off, and I'd go, oh, okay, she's done. And the match nurse was like, well, no, 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 reattach her now. And she'll go back on. And she almost did, but I just assumed you have one let down, you feed, that's it. That's all we do. 
so it was a whole learning cycle of um, working out the bond between the both of us and how to breastfeed successfully. Uh, and then again, having to express to build my supply up over time because, as I said, I'm a very close producer of milk. So, in between breastfeeding, I was expressing, trying to get a bit of a stockpile. Um, so, that the matching was suggested to me that I try some lactation cookies. And I bought some of the commercial products. I wasn't that fond of the flavour. I thought they were either really hard like rocks or they were too overly sweet or they were going to send me broke because some of them were just ridiculously priced. I started making my own, playing with different recipes and researching all the different ingredients that make up a lactation cookie and, and how they work with our body. And as I was making them for myself, I'm, I'm part of a, a mum's group uh, here locally in Canberra, and I had a couple of those mums say, oh, would you mind making some for me as well? And one thing led to the, another, and it was a case of, well, if my mum's group team and then surely there's other mums that are in a similar situation that don't want to spend an arm and a leg on lactation cookies and lactation products, maybe I could convert this into business. Uh, and one thing you'll learn about me is I don't do maternity leave well. I tend to create businesses on maternity leave to rise my husband buddy. So with the with the triplets, I started Mum's Exercise Group Australia, and then with Madeline, I started Super Diva. I wow. I get bored. <laughs> I don't do maternity leave well, although some might argue and say I do it too well. Wow! I wish I had some That's of your enthusiasm. <laughs> So yeah, Super Zuba was born uh, two months after Madeline was born. It was a really, really quick process from the moment I decided, all right, right, let's let's have a red hot red hot crack at this. It was probably two weeks from the moment I decided that I was going to convert it into a business to the point of having a kitchen certified for me to be able to cook out of to having my website developed, to having packaging brought in, and then being able to sell them online. It was really, really fast. Wow. And it's just snowballed. It's gone from humble beginnings to space here in Canberra, to now it's a national, uh, and I'm not just making lactation cookies now. I do lactation tea, pregnancy teas, lactation oils. I do the Harker-style pumps, the breast collection cells, and... Disposed, um, sorry, not disposable, reusable breast pads in the life too. So I've tried to cover the full antenatal to postnatal pregnancy breastfeeding journey, if you will, from, from a mum's perspective. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you've got a whole range there of products that can support the um, pregnant and breastfeeding mums now. Yeah, it's, uh, it really is quite a, a vast product range now. You're amazing. Plus, what people probably don't know is you also work. Yeah, I do. Full time. Just about. I'm just going a full time week. Wow. And My you've got goodness. two businesses, four children. Do, woman, do you sleep? Yeah. Very little. I go to bed around one, one o'clock each night. By the time I get most of my 
my best idea is going to come to me at about 11 o'clock and I'm like, right, while I'm thinking of it, I'm just going to do it. Oh, my gosh. You're Consequently, incredible. though, I am not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, look. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I honestly, thank you so much for sharing your journey over mm. the last week with us and the listeners. I think that, um, you know, it's been all the feels. It's been it all of the everything um and yeah I, I just really want to thank you for sharing it with us yeah you're very welcome i i mentioned to a friend um that this whole entire podcast process going to and talking about my journey has been exceptionally cathartic i've never gone into this much detail about my journey to motherhood even being so real and honest with myself uh, it, it really has been a wonderful opportunity to really get it out and it's almost a bit of a time capsule for myself now I suppose and something that I I can keep on file and share with the boys so that they can they can see the journey that we've gone through as well as to the efforts we've gone through to have them. Absolutely. Well I can tell one thing I think that you've um, totally set the bar really high <laughs> and that um, Nick and I are really going to have to step yeah, up we, our game. We might have to retire <laughs> from this game now. Do you know, we might have to hand this over to you. We don't think we're going to do a very good job. No, look, uh, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure and inspiration to so many of us, multiple mums. Um, y- your ability to not be able to take maternity leave well is inspiring. Um, I could wish we could create <laughs> the businesses you had. You're supporting so many other mums, um, working hard, and you've got an amazing family. So, yeah, as Naomi said, thank you so much for sharing everything that you have and being so honest and raw and open it's been incredible you're welcome thank you and that's it for us we're going to leave our wins and losses for this week as we reflect back on the last couple of weeks as Janelle with our first guest uh, make sure that you head to uh, iTunes and give it a like and a share on Facebook as well and the Facebook page is Talking Twins and More a multiple birth podcast and Naomi that's it for us this week we'll catch you next week can't wait talk to you then It's Talking Twins and More with Nick's and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com.